Welcome back to another episode of Talk and Chop. I'm your host, Gary Punnick, and today I'm joined by V89's Tucker Pierce and Matt Povtak. In today's show, we discuss FCU football's loss in Clemson last weekend while also taking a look at what lies ahead for them when they go up to Wake Forest on Saturday night. We also dig into some FSU soccer and their matches from last week, in addition to a preview of their match with Miami this Friday night. Let's jump right into it. And we're back. Welcome to another episode of Talk and Chop. Today, I'm joined by Matt Povtak of V89 and Tucker Pierce of also V89. How are you guys doing today? Good. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be back, man. This is always a great time spending in the morning, you know. Oh, yeah. This time, yeah, we're recording a bit earlier than usual. Usually we do late night recording sessions around 8 o'clock or later, but we're reviewing the FSU, FSU game, not FSU, geez. The FSU game against Clemson, they lost to the Tigers 45-14 to in Death Valley. Wasn't a pretty one. What would no. y'all think? You want to take it off? I don't know if you really want to hear my two cents now. I'll be, I'll be, I'll keep it down. You know, last time I went a little crazy. <laughs> I expected, you know, we. I think everybody, if you had, if you you were thinking legitimate, you were going to expect probably a loss. But you, ex- I, I expected more of a fight, and that's what I didn't see. It was so hard to watch a game where it was inevitable you were going to lose, but it took forty to fifty minutes longer than it was supposed to, and that's what hurt me worse. You know. Well, yeah, I I went into this game way too optimistic, and I definitely had to eat a piece of humble pie because I coming off those two wins in a row, you know, I, I was looking maybe for an upset, and within the first two minutes of the game, that had gone out the window. I was kind of on the same boat. I know last episode I was talking with Alex Kretchik. We were saying we kind of talked each other into the fact that on that day, on Tuesday last week, we were talking to each other like up, like saying, FSU has a chance, like, they can actually do this here. Come on, like, let's let's look at this thing. They actually can do it. And just, once again, my hopes have been, hopes and dreams were dashed by many, or by Clemson, and they're back, it's, it doesn't really, it's not that bad. Like, it when you look at it, FSU shouldn't be that sad about this loss. I know we saw what Marvin Wilson, what happened with Marvin Wilson. He said he made the team, or Coach Taggart said on Monday, he made the team run because the team the guys were pouting, and that's just it. Kind of blows my mind a bit that the team that this team is pouting because they lost to the number two team. I get it; they lost in kind of a disrespectful, disrespectful fashion. But they got they have to take their, they have to learn from their own mistakes, and they have to do what they've been saying. Review, look at the game for twenty four hours, then get over it. I, I personally, I was if I'm for the state. I'm very glad Marvin Wilson, number one, I'm very glad Marvin Wilson made those boys run because I personally thought if I'm the coaching staff and I get back into Tallahassee on Sunday morning, I would have told them that night, hey, boys, guess what? When you get back into Tallahassee and we touch down, don't worry about going back to Champions Hall. Don't worry about going where you're living because we're going to run. We're going to run. That's what I would have done. I love that Marvin Wilson demanded, in a way, respect because he, he's he, if y'all saw him, he played the entire game as hard as he possibly could. I mean – and I'm not sitting here doubting Florida State. They play hard towards the end. They, they, they didn't give up like, like teams have done in the past. I always remember Boston College two years ago when Jimbo was here the last year. It was terrible. But they didn't give up. I like that he demanded that. That's what you need from a, from a captain. Um, there were some things in that game you saw from captains that you really didn't like, um, you know, losing your, losing your cool and letting your emotions get the best of you. But for that to happen, it's a big deal. If you're Florida State, you got to let go of this game. Move on from it. Don't bury the footage. Hold on to it till next year. 
And next year, when they come back to Tallahassee, you do something about it. But you can't worry about it now. You got Wake Forest this week. Yeah, I also agree. I think I think there's some positive look at this game when you look at last year's game against Clemson, whereas we kind of gave up at the end. I don't think this team gave up. I think we were just outmatched, outplayed, out out talent. They had too much talent on their team for us to keep up. And Willie Tiger did say at the end of the game in the press conferences that he never he didn't see his team give up. Like granted, there's little bits and pieces where they did seem to be playing sluggish, but he said they didn't give up completely. So that was a bit that's a bit uplifting to hear, but. I want to go back to the Marvin Wilson wind sprints. It kind of reminded me, I don't know if you guys have seen Miracle on Ice yeah. or Miracle, but it reminded me of that when the team, when USA had lost to Finland and they got whooped. And there. he made him run after. On and, the oh, yeah. Yep, and Coach made him run it again, again. It just reminded me of that. So, hey, maybe it just turns into that. Maybe they learn from that mistake. Maybe they don't want to run again. Hopefully. I know from playing high school athletics, running after losses like that was always the worst, the most demoralizing thing ever. It's the worst to do, but the thing is it's what instills in you that you can't quit. And mm-hmm. uh, guess what? It's going to get harder the more and more you have situations like this happen. Uh, one thing I said in the middle of our meeting the other night when it was brought up to what I was saying on Twitter, um, <laughs> This is Florida State football, and when you wear Florida, when you wear that that logo on your chest, you don't always you don't only carry that as a football team. You're carrying that as a university. There's a lot of history here, and I think that's the reason why you do have feedback from bits and pieces of the fan base that are really holding this one tough and are saying this is just not Florida State football. I understand that. Um, you can't give up. You got to believe in the team, but. This isn't Florida State football, and I think when you have situations like you said, Marvin Wilson demanding those wind sprints, that's what's going to make hopefully the team rise to the occasion and say, all right, this is bigger than us, and we got to come together, and we got to really figure out how we can harness everything, not let our emotions get the best of us, and put our focus on the game that we have every week, nothing else. I want to just go to one tweet that you had from 5.46 p.m. You tweeted out, no discipline, period. (laughs) It was very tough. Let's just say I... um, at that point in time, my emotions were getting the best of me. Um, <laughs> the the fan was the fan in you was coming out. It was it was it. I, I'm just I, I grew up here, man. It, mm-hmm. It's so hard for me to see a team like this that I watched for five years straight from 2010 to 2015 win a national championship. Literally come to the cusp of the best you were, and then you go into 2014 still the best, and all of a sudden it just kind of flattens out in 2015 mm-hmm. because things just start to trickle away. You lose that edge. You lose what we were fighting for. And to see where we're at now, I'm not sitting here saying it's any of what we have, anybody here's fault now. It's I can't really think you can point fingers anymore. It's all about what you can do now to take what you have and turn the culture around. Mm-hmm. And we're getting there. These wins, or these, not these wins, these losses do not help you out, but what you do after the losses is what matters. I think that this game against Wake Forest will be a sign of whether or not we have turned the corner in our culture or whether or not we haven't. And it's going to be an interesting one for sure, but... Let's get into a little bit more of the nuts and bolts of this game against Clemson. Two-quarterback system is a thing a lot of people like to talk about going into this one. Obviously, it didn't really seem to work out. Alex Hornibrook, one of the, uh, Alex Hornibrook didn't even get the start in that one. James Blackman started. Blackman went 9 for 23, 66 yards, no touchdowns, two picks. Alex Hornibrook went 8 for 12, 84 yards, one touchdown, one pick. That one pick came on his first drive, which they looked like they were moving and I turned to Luke and Thomas in the press box at Clemson because we were all there, or us three were there. And I said, for some odd reason, it looks like they always give the more dynamic plays and the more kind of, I don't know, it feels like fancier plays to Alex Hornibrook. And it's just weird. I know it's obviously the type of quarterback that he is, but it's just weird. Like, the offense looked dynamic when Alex Hornibrook was in the game. I don't know if that's what you guys saw. 
I've been preaching it since I was on here for the first time. Mm-hmm. I, I, I said two weeks ago that I think Alex, Alex Hornibrook is the quarterback you need to go with going just because of his experience and his ability to move the offense, like you just said. Um, yeah, I saw that. I think it's more about a thing of whoever's calling the plays, i.e. Kendall Browse, he trusts him. He mm-hmm. trusts him to make those kind of plays. I'm not sitting here saying he doesn't trust Blackman. I think they have trust in both these boys. I think he knows what he can do with Blackman. I think he knows what he can do with Hornibrook. What's scary for me is those two quarterback systems just don't – it's one of those things where when you have two quarterbacks, it's like you don't tr- you don't trust either one of them enough to take helm of your offense and in a way your team and lead them. And I think if you're a coach right now where you're at, you've got to make a decision. Those decisions, I mean, you saw it with. I'm just going to use this as an example. Not it's it's pretty far fetched, but Nick Saban did it in the national championship two years ago. He took his guy Jalen Hurts, who's now in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. out of the game and said, "Guess what." Sorry, buddy, you're not really doing it for me. I got to put this guy in. Enters true freshman to a Tagovola, and from there on, it was two from the rest. You know, and I, I really think that you got to make executive decisions to get control of what you want going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went into the game with the two two quarterback system, kind of optimistic, thinking we could get the best out of each quarterback, but that seemed to just not really work at all. I think that. With what you said about Blackman, about uh, Kendall Bryles knowing what he can do with Blackman and giving Hornybrook the plays, is I think Blackman tries to do too much. He's too he has too much drive and doesn't he won't throw the ball away. Whereas Black, uh, Hornybrook will, and Hornybrook's the more consistent quarterback. But I also think that Hornybrook won't take as many shots as Blackman does, and it's just you're like. You're getting the worst of each quarterback when you try to play them both because neither quarterback is able to get into a rhythm. And when you have a quarterback for one drive, he doesn't go anywhere, and you put the next quarterback in. It's just you can't get any rhythm into the game, and that's what football is all about. It really is. Mm-hmm. I, the, the rhythm, I, I think I t- tweeted something about that because somebody went out and they tweeted about how, uh, you know, you're going to blame Willie Taggart when the offense isn't doing well, but you're going to give Kendall Browse all the credit. Mm-hmm. And I came back and I was like, Guess what? When you don't pick a quarterback for your system, it shows that you don't have trust enough. And when you don't have a certain quarterback leading it and you you give it to two guys, you have no ability to build rhythm and stability. And from that, it just shows you just don't have control of what you want to have control of, like I just said. So it's all about rhythm. And I think we failed to find that rhythm because both – I think the whole team knew. Obviously, we're playing with two quarterbacks, so it's going to be something interesting to see what's going to happen. You would have known Blackman's your guy and just rode with him no matter what probably would have been a little bit better because you would have maybe had a chance to develop some rhythm. If you would have known Hornybrook's your guy, you would have had a chance to develop some rhythm. You've got to make the executive decision going forward. <laughs> yeah, you got to put your foot down. you got to make a choice and stick to your guns. Yeah, and if, benefit your team. And even if well, even if one guy doesn't work out in the first half, you can still switch him out in the second half. It, just, it lets you see a guy go in there and give you a bigger scope of how he's feeling, how he's dealing with the atmosphere of that game, how he's dealing with the tempo, how he's dealing with everything that goes around it. So it really kind of screwed him over. And you were referencing the tweet from Tayshawn Reed from The Athletic. Which uh, has really good insight. Yes. And I didn't. I don't want to make it seem like I was coming at him. But it was just one of those things where I saw what you were stating, and I think you have to look a little bit more in-depth to the situation. And as much as – just don't don't acknowledge those things anymore. If people are doing that, don't acknowledge it, especially if you're a sports writer. Well, I thought he brought up a good point. We were talking with him. A bunch of the reporters, we were talking with him after the game because he was in Clemson as well. And, I mean, I think the majority of us agreed that it was a pretty good point. Like – you see people on Twitter, they'll go after Taggart when it goes wrong like that, but then when everything goes right, oh, hey, hats off to you, uh, Kendall Bryles, you've done it again. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's fair, but obviously you said, you responded to the tweet, you said, pick a quarterback and stick with them, no rhythm because of no stability, 
that's on coach. And I agree. That's that's a little bit on Tiger, but also like you gotta it, the streak goes both ways. You gotta praise Tiger when the offense and, does run well. And I guess that's hard for me personally because as a as as someone who I try to hold myself to be a true fan, no matter what I believe, Garnet and Gold, I was born here, and I can't let that bias get to me when I get farther in my career. Hopefully, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> I, I'm not not doubting what that guy said. I guess I come from it from I believe that I gotta believe in Tiger. That's my goal. Like he is my guy. He's the guy who has been chosen to be in charge of what I hold dear to myself. And I want to help, hope, believe, or hopefully believe that he is what we need going forward. And I'm, I'm not one of those people that lost, that lost doubt. I just want to see what he can do going forward from these kind of situations and how he can rise to the occasion and maybe kind of get a little bit more umph in him and make mm-hmm. those executive decisions no matter. You don't want to please. At this point in time, you can't please everybody. you got to do no. what's best for the team. Yeah, no, that's the facts. You just, that's, in, that's just life. You can't please everyone in life. But... Let's keep going with a bit more into the running game. The running game was interesting. Cam Akers, who has been the workhorse for Florida State, was shut down by Clemson's D-line this weekend. He only had nine carries for 34 yards. He actually had the most carries on the offense for the offense this weekend, and he had the what was it the fourth least amount of yards? I mean, or the fourth most yards, granted. But Kalen Laburn, guy who hasn't been getting that many carries this all season, I think he had 17 carries going into this game. Had eight for 69 yards and a touchdown. First of his career. So, first of his career. And it was in front of his grandma who was visiting and uh, seeing him play for the first time in a long time. So that was a big moment for him. And I think, it, I don't know if this really helps bolster him wanting to maybe stay. Because obviously there are rumors flying around that he could leave going at, towards the end of the year. But... I, what did you see out of him, Matt? I thought that this, you know, the one kind of bright spot in this game was Labor. And I thought that because of, well, just, I think that Taggart needs to go up to Labor and if, with the transfer rumors and, you know, go to him and be like, hey, Akers is going to be our guy this year, but next year you will be our number one. You will be what Akers is to us this year, next year if you stay. Because he is a talent. I think he's really good. I understand why you want to play Akers a lot because he's he'll be in the NFL. He'll be playing on Sundays too. But you, just watching him run and the, how dynamic and how much power he has, I think that you have to give him more snaps at least the rest of this season. I love to <clears throat> fill in there. I like how you say he should get more snaps. In my opinion, I said this two weeks ago, he should get more touches. And you're lo- you lost. We all remember Keyshawn Helton's out for the season. Mm-hmm. Big loss because Keyshawn really came along strong in the last few weeks. Um, he's really been someone in our passing game that has really supported um, Alex Hornibrook out of everybody because they do a lot of work after practice. Maybe this is the time where, like I told you two weeks, Gary, like bring in uh, Kalen and let him let him run the slot. Yeah, this let him per- be in the slot. It's yeah. the perfect time now. I mean, he can catch the ball. He was recruited to Florida State as an all-purpose back because that's all that Jimbo Fisher recruited in the last <laughs> – with the decade he coached, basically the early decade he coached, he had Devontae Freeman, Dalvin Cook, all the guys he had that played in the backfield, they're all-purpose backs, including Cam Akers. Kalen is the same style. He can catch the ball. Use his elusiveness mm-hmm. out in space. He would be fantastic to put out there and put on a screen pass that they run with these yeah. guys. I, like I really think he has the ability to be shifty, and he can make you move. He has good control of his body. So that's where I would see, you know, if you can't get him in the run game, get him in the passing game. Yeah, You're yeah. missing somebody there. I like DJ, and I like – uh, uh, Trayshawn Harrison, they're they're really good, but this guy has an ability to really get 
to make you miss and to really make you pay if you let him get in open mm-hmm. space. And that's what I think that's really what they need in this game against Clemson or against Clemson because Akers a lot of time he's kind of a hard nosed back wants to run into that contact because he's big enough to run through it. Mm-hmm. But Laburn likes to kind of move around and shift and be elusive, like he said. So that's really what helped him do well against Clemson. And maybe for teams going down the line that are playing against Clemson, that could help them like with picking out what kind of schemes and packages they want to put out there because if Clemson's not going to be able to stop a more elusive, shiftier back in in the backfield or in on the D-line, they're going to go with that kind of package. So that could help other teams going down the line. But like you said a couple weeks ago, maybe the next Peter War. <laughs> I always, always hold my breath on that one, but I'm just saying he he has the ability to play like P-Dub. Closest thing we got to it. Yep, so that that was one of the injuries in Keyshawn Helton. You mentioned him. Big deal. That really hurt. He will be out for the year now. And one of the other guys who's now day-to-day is Cyrus Fagan. Cyrus Fagan had a shoulder injury in the game against Clemson. We talked about the hit before, or how it occurred. I wasn't able to really see it because... It was we were kind of far away in the press box, but what did you guys see out of that out of Cyrus Fagan's injury? And now he's day to day, just FYI. Well, I remember I was just watching the game in, in live time, and after the play was the blow, the running back had been tackled, and and the play had been blown dead, and it was just after the play, someone got I saw someone got thrown to the ground, and I was like, wait, is that like is the play dead? And it was, and, and I was like, why is there no penalty? And after the play, you see a man's down, and I'm like, well, of course he's down. He got thrown down after the whistle had been blown. He wasn't even paying attention. And it kind of, I kind of baffled there was no penalty or anything on it because it just looked blatant. The same ref that if, – if everybody – if you follow Freddie Stevenson on Twitter – um, this is a guy who shouted out to who was our refs before the game. This is the same guy who called a chop block on him when he came to uh, Tallahassee, or when Clemson came to Tallahassee, uh, his, his Freddie's senior year, and uh, he got called for a chop block that game that made him question his ability to block for the rest of his life. So <laughs> if that shows anything towards the refs of this game, that's what you had. That's what you were dealing with. I think um, what's bigger about it was it was a 300-pound dude moving off a block on the edge. Play was dead and he excessively pushed it farther. I don't care if Cyrus Fagan is um, keeping on going. I don't think that was the case. If you go look at the play, play was dead. They were still going at it, and he took his ability to be bigger than the guy and fell on top of him. That's what, I believe it's a separated shoulder or something something along his uh, his upper body. So I think that's where the injury came from. It's obviously blatant that that's front what it came from. It's nothing before. It's nothing after. Um, so uh, those are things that the ACC needs to really crackdown on going forward you got to really find those things that's just me saying it i ain't gonna do any difference for anybody but uh hopefully the acc will get um get these guys the refs to look at the film and be like all right you got to start looking at these kind of things these these are what happen in most games you know and cyrus will be a big loss at this defense going forward i know that cyrus cyrus did play a big big role in the past few games and levante taylor wasn't able to play last game so that was one aspect of your defensive backs that was out and now cyrus is out but levante might be might be back in for this game against wake everyone's kind of hoping on that if you're an fsu fan but how? What do you think this these DBs are going to need to do this week? Because I know now let's start looking towards a little bit more towards Wake. Because let's put Clemson in the rearview mirror. What do you think these DBs are going to have to do to stop Wake? Because Wake's defense or Wake's offense is very good this year. Yeah. They are putting up some numbers. Their quarterback Jamie Newman has one thousand seven hundred seventy-two passing yards, sixty-seven point five percent completion percentage, and he loves. Uh, two, mainly two targets. That's Sage Surratt, who has 711 yards and nine touchdowns. 
I believe he's like top five in the nation in uh, receiving touchdowns. The guy can do, put up some numbers, and he is tall. I think I think Sage Surratt is. I think he's six four. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Let me I check six again. Three, six four. He is six three, two fifteen, and then uh, was the other guy Washington, Scotty Washington. Six, he's the tall one. He's six five, he, but he has four hundred ninety eight yards and seven touchdowns. So they really like to air out the ball at Wake. Where do you think these DBs are gonna have to do this week to kind of slow down these guys at the Demon Deacons? Uh, personally, I think that um, when somebody goes down, somebody's got to step up. You as a coach and as a coaching staff and as a team, the older players on the team have to demand that of these younger players that are coming in and making a uh, contributing factor already. Brendan Gant, Jarvis Brownlee, um, um, not not Nazareth Dean because Nazareth Dean's been there. I really would like to see a little bit more out, out of Nazareth Dean. He's having to step up into a role like that would be because um, we're missing would be. He's having to step up there. But people like Isaiah Bolden, he had a tough time last week. I mean, he did make big plays, but then they come right back at him. They call your number. When they call your number, cuz, you better be able to defend it better. When they call it for a second time, you better be sure to make sure that they don't they don't get that chance, you know? This is going to be a team in Wake that's really confident right now. This is the most confident team I've seen out of Wake in the last five years. And that's the scary thing, because when you have a confident team that likes to pass against a team that really has not been questionable but doesn't have the ability to defend the passes the best we want to be, or uh, Florida State would like to be, I'm sorry. Um, that's when you have to have players like Akeem Dent, Brendan Gant, Jarvis Brownlee step up, play focused football, play non-emotional football. you got to really mature. And it's hard to ask that halfway through a season as a true freshman, but it's what you need. Yeah, I think uh, Wake Forest is going to air out the ball. They're confident, like you said. They have tall receivers, which is not really a – like a great matchup for Florida State defensive backs. But, you know, you had Clemson. You had the best team this last week. You got, you know, it's always good. They always, you always, It's always good to practice with a team that's better for the next game. When you play with a better team, you're going to be better. So I think that this game actually will help. Even though they got torched, I think that this game would help them prepare for Wake Forest. They've seen the best. Now they have to go do it again against another really strong pass offense. And maybe Florida State comes in with a bit more confidence now seeing how Wake performed in their last game. Wake Forest lost to Louisville, who Florida State beat. And the Cardinals beat up on the Demon Deacon 62-59. to it was, it was a shootout, to say the least. But we were kind of following, when we were writing articles for the FSVU on Saturday night, we were following just on the ESPN app. We were just seeing the score kind of pop up and in and out while we were watching mainly the Florida LSU game. And I think we saw, was it Wake got down big? I think they got down like 55 or 58, 38, something along those lines. And we kind of thought that game was over. We didn't see Wake even having a chance to come back in this one. But they managed to come back all the way to make it a three-point game. And I think it all came down to an onside kick that they just couldn't recover and couldn't get on top of. And it's just, it's surprising because... You don't ex- you kind of expected Wake to kind of just give up and lay down because they got down big and that was their first loss of the year and that was the first time they've really been challenged. So it could really come back to bite Florida State seeing now how Wake responded because Wake knows how to fight now because yeah. they haven't really had a game where they've been challenged. And now that they've been challenged, maybe they can step up in some of these bigger situations. But to put it in perspective here, Jamie Newman also... I think Jamie Newman also got a little bit uh, roughed up in this game because Hartman, their backup, I believe Sam Hartman, uh, came in, went 9 for 15. Yeah, Sam Hartman went 9 for 15 with two touchdowns in that game and no picks. Newman went 
251 yards, three touchdowns, but two picks. So Newman is human, but he it's going to be a weird game for Wake and Florida State. What do you think going into this one? Well, first I want to say like how you, I like the little Newman is human. You know? Newman is <laughs> that's, human. That's, that's, that's pretty good. That was right off the top of the head. I, uh, <laughs> I can sit here and tell you this. I watched Packer and Durham this morning. If you don't watch Packer and Durham, uh, ACC Network should be available to, anybody, or to most people if you have the provider that uh, provides it. Start watching it. It's really good stuff. If you really want to uh, pay attention to what conference we play in and um, how awesome it is to have this um, – this channel it's huge because it's just going to cover us um they said that satterfield at um louisville is a big deal um they think he's he's actually a coach that's really done a great job turning this program around for louisville louisville's and four and two now four and Most two people, i was talking with some people last night and i mentioned like hey did you see the wake at louisville game and they're like yeah kind of saw the score and i was like did you know louisville's four and two and they're like what louisville's four and it's two it's very shocking to me and i think that that you can't take away from the fact that louisville got a big win over wake and yeah. you and i think you can't really take away from wake that because Louis, they saw a pretty good louisville football team if i remember i'm pretty sure louisville was a pretty strong rushing team when they came in to play uh florida state in tallahassee yep, yep. they were known as a strong rushing team and um if they did the damage they did on Wake Forest, and I would love to, I, I didn't, I haven't checked the numbers. Do you have the numbers in front of you with uh, how they rushed? Louisville put up 225 rushing yards, three tu- three rushing touchdowns, but they also had uh, 295 passing yards, four touchdowns, and only one pick. That's a big deal yeah. to me because for Florida State moving forward, we did not have um, a really good. I'm sorry, they did not have a really good rushing game against Clemson. It was tough. That's going to be a tough match, but. That's your emphasis going into this game. Yeah. Your emphasis is to tell your offensive line, you've got to do a better job pushing up front to get Cam and hopefully Laybourne, who hopefully will get more touches, um, room and space. And if you do that, I think it obviously showed showed what Wake Forest will do against the run. I mean, they if they if they let them score 62 points and three touchdowns are, from the, are on the ground, that's a pretty big deal. If we can capitalize on that and then let, you know, after the running game, let the passing game kind of sit in, be a big deal for Florida State going forward. And Wake's pass or Wake's rushing defense or rush defense isn't the greatest in the world. They only had one. They had one sack exactly against Louisville. One sack in a full game. Like Grand, there was a lot of offense, so the defense really wasn't there. But if you only have one sack in a game, and they had twelve tackles for loss, so I mean, it wasn't the greatest defensive game out of either of these teams. But it could be a bit conf- It could give a little bit of confidence. For Florida State's offensive line, knowing, hey, we're not going against the best D line here. Hopefully, they can step up and kind of exude that confidence against the Demon Deacons. What do you, Matt? What do you like going into this game for Florida State? Well, I just think that it's it's actually a perfect opportunity for Florida State because they just get got given the blueprint on how to beat Wake Forest. Um, Louisville showed the exact way to beat them, and a team that had looked kind of unbeatable or unbeatable so far. Now they look human. They look mortal, and they they've shown how they can be beaten. Whether it be Cam Akers, the offensive line needing to block for Cam, or that um, j- the running game just needs to open up. I think, and if the offensive line can open up the running game for Cam Akers or Khalil Laybourne, um, that's how we can. That's the blueprint. Mm-hmm. And also with Wake's secondary, it's it's not the greatest either. I was watching some film. I was watching more film on the Louisville game. And I, there's this just this one play that stood out to me. It was a Louisville touchdown. I can't remember the. I believe it was later in the game, around the third quarter. But they had two receivers kind of set up on the outside, outside the hash marks on the right side. And Wake was playing a basic zone defense, so they had two guys lined up on the two receivers, and another safety kind of just a like good 20, 15 yards back and to the left of if the receivers are facing the end zone. 
and one receiver on the outside crosses in, kind of heads towards the uh, the goalpost, and the other one heads kind of on a go route, more of a fade go to the back corner of the end zone. Both guys ended up being wide open because both wake or all three, so the two corners and the safety all missed their assignments, all had miscommunications. So that's going to be something that you're going to have to look out for in this game, that if Florida State can kind of just get a little bit of misdirection going in there, it could really mess with this Wake team because they do not seem to do the best when it comes to getting a bit confused and throwing different kind of uh, routes and all that. So that's going to be one different, interesting thing about the defense getting into this game. Another part is Wake's running game. Their run game is a bit different than anything that Florida State has seen or anything that a lot of teams in the country do. Because one thing that they do is they hold the ball on read options. They run a basic read option every now and then with Newman and either Beal, Carney, and or, and not really any other running backs. It's really just Beal, Smith, and Carney. So Newman will walk up to, he'll hand the ball off, but hold the ball still and walk with the running back a bit for and then let him go or either take the ball away from him. So it's just going to be a lot of patience for FSU's defense and how they can really read the quarterback and kind of pick up on his patterns if there are any. This is a big this is a big game for our defensive line. Defensive line came out and played really tough in the beginning against Clemson. Corey Durden made a fantastic stop on third and goal on the first drive. And if they would have stopped that fourth and goal, who knows what could have happened. That could have taken a lot of momentum in that game and if Florida State could have capitalized on offense, it could have been a different game. But <laughs> that's all said and done. This is a big job or a big game for our defensive line because it's their chance to go out and say, This is how good we are. We're going to make you have to work your hardest and figure out a good scheme to, to stop us because we're going to put as much pressure on you as possible. Hopefully you can prove that the human that is Newman <laughs> will have a tough time. If we can um, break into Hartman, unless Hartman's injured, or if whoever starts, we can break into that backfield and put a lot of pressure on them. Um, that's a real key for our defense. Once you get the pressure on the front, it makes our defensive backs have a little bit more of an easier job. They'll probably be throwing the ball a bit more deeper and um, not having designed things against our zone. Hopefully our zone will push a lot better. But um, it's all about the defensive line in this game for our defense. I think that's where the big push is going to start, and that's where you'll field your momentum for your defense going mm -hmm. forward. Exactly, and if you can get that pressure on Newman, he will start to make those errors like he did, and so, and he will look human. And like Florida State, Florida State, if I'm, I'm going to still stand by this. Florida State, in my opinion, still has one of the best defensive lines in Power 5 football. They have two guys in Corey Dern and Marvin Wilson who are going to be two guys that will play on Sundays, I believe. And I think you've got some young talent around those guys that have come in. I think Cooper's doing a really good job sitting at the nose tackle position. And if we can just figure out our ed rushers, Janarius Robinson is coming along real strong yeah. right now. I am excited about and that. And he will be able to play a full game this week, <laughs> unlike gosh. last week because of the targeting call that got And that hurt us. Yeah, yeah it really did. That's I'm not did. saying anything about Gaynor, but that hurt us because – it's games where you have a Janarius Robinson who's a junior with Gaynor who's a redshirt mm -hmm. freshman, and it shows not saying anything. Gaynor is, a, is going to be a great talent. I think everybody knows that. But he needs time. But he needs time he to needs mature a little bit. Those are hard games to go into. Your emotions are high, and um, you can't let them get up, get the best mm -hmm. of you. And I think Janarius would have he, – he came in and played really strong in that second oh, yeah. half. Um, we got to figure out that other edge uh, job, but if we figure that out and we, we get that offense, that defensive line – I'm sorry, that defensive line going – 
could be a little tough going mm-hmm. forward for a lot of people. Did you see in the uh, during the game they had they kept on going to Janaris Robinson in the first half, sitting off in this tunnel oh, yeah. with his headphones in? So mean. Because I, I don't I don't understand I that. I didn't see that actually happening. He mentioned to us after the game in the interviews that he was just watching on an iPad. Yeah, he wasn't watching the game. He's just sitting in the tunnel. You listening keep, to you know, listening to music. Had the game on his iPad and. Mm-hmm. It's, and it, it really hurt us, I think. Yeah, no, obviously it is. And obviously with, uh, and then with uh, Kendo being out as well, that it's that's a big hit right there for that D, for the DN position or the edge rush position. Let's get into some predictions, though. Okay. This game, I, I had my prediction last on Monday night, and I said Florida State's going to win this game 36-32. Going to be a back-and-forth game, I think, for the most part. And it's going to be, I guess this is high scoring, yeah. It's, no team's going to touch the 40s, but it's going to be a back-and-forth one. Florida State, I ultimately think, comes out. I think Blackman plays the whole game this time around. And there is no dual QB system, because that's just going to keep screwing this team over if they do that. Not going to let anyone find the rhythm, like we said previous to this. And I think there's going to be more stability. I think the run game is going to come together a bit more. I, I'm going to make a prediction here. Kane Laburn's going to have over five touches, or at least five touches or more. Let's call it that, five touches or more. <laughs> and so they're going to be, it's going to be a bit more spreading the ball out. I guess five touches for him is spreading the ball out, but it'll be, it'll be cool. It'll be good to see. Uh, yeah, my prediction's kind of the same. Uh, I think we're going to have a shootout. Both, both teams have very strong offenses. I think FSU still has a strong offense. You know, we've seen that they've been able to put up points against other teams other than Clemson. Um, I think that this this game's going to be an offensive shootout. I think defense is going to be played okay this game. I hope FSU's defense can step up more than I expect them to, but my prediction for the score would probably be around 42-37. 42-37, okay. All right, I'm gonna go a little crazy here. I'm not going crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it a little bit down. I think Florida State comes out if they have a good week of practice. I, I hope we've had a really good week of practice so far, especially with how Marvin Wilson starts it with the wind sprints. Um, if that's the 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 whole kind of like vibe for the rest of the week, Florida State's defense comes out very strong, makes it hard for Wake Forest in the first half, um, puts a lot of pressure on them to go into the second half and put some points up. I think it's gonna be. A 34 to, I think it's going to be a lot mimicking of what we saw against NC State and, and Doe Campbell. It's going to be okay. like a 34 to a 16 wow. game. Okay. I think uh, we're going to expose Wake of what they can't do. I think if that that to me it all matters on what I said earlier. The defensive push on the front line has to get there first, and that's where it's going to set the tone. If they get the push in the start of the first half and force Wake. <laughs> to make better read options and to force the ball downfield, and our defense can play strong and play focused and play controlled. It's going to allow our offense to push forward, and if our offense can come out, I think Hornybrook's going to get the start. I just want to, I just want to make it a little okay. bit different here. Okay. You know, I, I no. you know me, I, I like want to go with. No. I don't hate Blackman. I no, like Blackman, but I think Hornybrook is the better game manager, and that's what you need right now. Hopefully, our off, our, our our coaching staff will see that. But um, and that's my opinion. Hater to take it. Um. I think if Hornybrook starts, we move the football, defense, and they answer what the defense gives them, 34-16 game. Okay, and to put Tucker's prediction into perspective, the two lowest scores Wake has put up this year is 24 when they beat UNC 24-18, and then 27 when they narrowly beat Boston College 27-24 at BC. So it's, that's, 
that one really kind of shook me for a second. Be like, they're going to be held under. You're saying they're being held under 20 points. This offense has been flying all season long, and you're going to say they're going to come out and lay a pretty much lay an egg. This is the equivalent of them laying an egg. I I <laughs> I hope. Uh, you know, that's I get. I don't want to say it's my bias. See, that's my hope at Florida State. I uh, I and what I believe if the vibes right, you know, conquered spirits there. Florida State can get the job done. Just a little thing. I know you you pick Blackman. You think will start the game and play the whole game. You said Hornybrook. I think we stick to the two system quarterback oh, system. Boy. I hope we. I hope we. <laughs> yeah, we around I, I, I hope. <laughs> I hope we don't. But I think that we're gonna stick to it. I hope maybe that we do or that FSU does a one half Hornybrook, one half Blackman. I think then you're able to get momentum going. You know, be able to drive. But I don't see us diverting from the two system quarterback. So. So you think that it's going to be? It's system. not going to be the quarterback system that we had last Saturday, where it's two every two series or so, it's a switch. Or I, I hope not. According I to Kendall Browles, it was whatever seemed to go with the flow of the game. That's how I felt. That's what I. That's, that's <laughs> which I. That's what I figured it was going to be coming into it because like and even when I was watching, I was like, oh, he's just going with what if someone doesn't do well in a series, it's the next that's, guy. That's the, that's you got to have it. You got to demoralize. It's demoralizing for your for the quarterback to because get it's like oh, you don't believe it, you don't believe in me in this situation. Like mm-hmm. yeah. To me, it's like, all right, Blackman, we're going to put you out for the first two series. Then we're going to throw Horny Brick out there and see with his style of play if we can shake that defense up and go a little bit different and then see if we can work that feel with him. And then once you come back in, Blackman, we're going to set you deep. We're going to get that defense pushing up, get pressure on Horny Brook, get a little, a little comfortable with that, and then let Blackman go deep. you got to develop a system. You mm-hmm. have to develop a system. I'm interested about your take. Well, no, I'm, I'm just going to say that I saw this during the game is with the switching in and out of quarterbacks, one of the times um, – they were planning on FSU was planning on putting Hornybrook in. He was ready to go, and because Blackman was hi- hyping up the team, he was he was preaching to him, "Come on, guys, we got to get him." He was motivating. Uh, Kendall Bryles walked over and said, "Okay, you're gonna play now." It was just like that. That's what they said. I didn't. I didn't see that. They talked That's about it on the broadcast. Weird. That's a tough thing to see as a, as, a, as a fan of any for, uh, of any sports team. If mm-hmm. you see that, um, um, if you if you legitimately know what you're thinking, guys, that's not a good situation when you don't have trust in a, a soul guy. You have to have a plan at least. You gotta have a plan. You can yeah. switch them in and out, but have a plan and don't be alternating quarterbacks just by feeling. Oh, he had a, he had to talk to him. Uh, so yeah, that it, that's weird. I didn't. I actually didn't see that on. The broadcast. We really kind of had limited broadcast up in the boot, up in the press box. So that's. I'm still kind of shocked. Yeah, by I, that. I, I, that's a, that's the first time I've heard that too. Yeah, I, well, it's not even a take. It might just be straight up fact. Yeah, we said like, this point. So that's. So that's we what got they our, said. Yeah, that's nuts. There we go. So we got our predictions for this game. All FSU winning. So adding to got, the sod cemetery. Adding to the sod. Well, no, that this is not a ranked. Yeah. Are they ranked? No, but the, they're we're the underdog. Oh, I guess we are an underdog. Yeah, I just think of it always as when the home team's ranked higher. When's the last time you thought Florida State would go into Wake Forest as an underdog? <laughs> yeah, I guess they're too. Well, wait, what if. So, what if. Well, here, let's put it in perspective here. The spread's Wake Forest minus two and a half right now. That's at least what I'm seeing here. And the over under 68. What if, if, the over, if the spread flips, which there's a very good chance it does because two and a half's enough point. It's, yeah. not, it's just a small amount of points. Then it doesn't become a sod game. Right? Yeah, it can. This couldn't be. This might not be a sod game by the time we get Sunday or Saturday, depending on how this keeps flipping. That's true. And let's not forget, this is a seven thirty kick in Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, this is a go do your job, get what you get, come back to Tallahassee, and let's get ready for homecoming. Mm-hmm. And it's a, and it's a late or it's late night. I'm assuming for Wake, it's going to be a blackout. That's mm-hmm. just this no just doubt. feels like a blackout no game doubt. for them. Yeah. 
so that's they're going to be packed. They're going to be crazy. Man. Yeah, they're, this is the most hype I've ever seen come out of Wake Forest and they, for and, football. In Florida State, it don't matter if we're good or bad, man. Everybody still wants to beat, yeah, beat us. Exactly. I don't get why, but it's just the name. <laughs> it's just you the see name. teams like, like Virginia, and if you're Florida State, you own that name. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, enough about football. Let's go, jump over to FSU soccer. They had a. It was. I'd say it was a pretty good week. Granted, they went one and one, but they beat uh, Virginia Tech three to two at VT, and then they come back to Tallahassee on Sunday to take on the number one UVA Cavaliers, and they fall. Was it? It was one nothing in double overtime. Both games went to double overtime. So, two long games for the Seminoles, but they come out one and one. So that's pretty good, I'd say, for taking on two top twenty-five, two top twenty opponents because VT was t- number twenty. And UVA is one. Tucker, what did you see out of this week? I worked timeout coordinator again for this game. I want to go ahead and say I wasn't on the show last week, and I want to say that my take on Malia Berkeley against Pittsburgh when we did our, our show two weeks mm-hmm. ago, it worked out for me because we had three girls we were missing on international, and Malia played and f- and really fed the offense in that mm-hmm. Pittsburgh game. It's kind of why we got our goal that we had. Um, so going into last week, the Blacksburg win was huge going into Virginia because you wanted to have that motivation. You also need, if you're Florida State, you're defending champion, you need to get those wins on the road, especially against ranked opponents. It makes it that much better. Um, Dana Castellanos, with her 44th goal in that game against Virginia Tech on Thursday, sits at number two in the history of Florida State in goals scored at women's soccer. So you move into the Virginia game. Big game, y'all. That was huge. Mm-hmm. Packed house. Virginia really traveled great. By the way, great fans. I want to give a lot of respect for to Virginia's fans. Um, they have a lot of respect for just the sport and um, who they play, and I like that. The ACC is one of the best in women's soccer and in men's soccer right now. They have a lot of really good teams. You saw the two best teams, in my opinion, play on Sunday. It did not go in Florida State's favor. Double overtime game, you don't take away from that. One of those goals was going to creep in. If not, it was just going to be over. But... It was a really defensive game. I wish I could have saw Florida State do a little bit more on the offensive end by pushing out in the wings and not cramming the inside so much because when they cram the inside, they spend so much time moving with Yuji, Dana, and Jalen and then drop into the center, which I'm fine with. But when you spend too much time there, the defense gets really comfortable moving in and coming tight, and they try to feed these holes that aren't there. And I understand that you want to have them, and every once in a while you'll get it. But against a team like Virginia, you got to really work them, work them, work them, work them, work them to get the goal you needed. And Florida State couldn't do it, um, but it was a really great game. I think going forward, Florida State shouldn't take anything away from it as a loss. I think they should take away as we've got to get a little bit better, but we can. Ha- but you know, we're still there. Um, it, it, it's it's not going to kill you. You've lost to number five USC, number three UCLA. This was at the time they played them mm-hmm. on the road, and then they and then Virginia comes into town. You play them in double overtime, and they just get a goal late in the second overtime. You can't. It, it's demoralizing, yes, at that time. But moving forward, I know Kakorian knows what he's doing with these girls. I think he's going to get them shut and go, get ready to go into the next few games. And even if you just looked at this, the box score from this game, if you just didn't see the final score and the goal and who scored the goal in this game, you would think Florida State won this thing. They controlled possession 54% of the time, and they had the more shots, which was 14-10. to 10 And that was in the second half, y'all. Yeah. The first half, Virginia really did a great job of putting a lot of pressure on Florida State. They had opportunities, y'all, where Caroline Jeffers made some really good stops. And on Virginia's side, their keeper made some really good stops, too. Um, but it was Florida State really had momentum in that second half, especially late, and they just couldn't find them. There was multiple times that uh, there was a shot that Yuji had that she had missed. Um, there's just it's all about bringing everything together on those plays you get and you've got to capitalize on it and I think Florida State needs these games to know that you're going to have these opportunities coming next time you want to make sure you take take advantage of them 
Yeah, I think that this game was a, a great defensive game on both sides of the ball. I think that Caroline Jeffers had an amazing game, maybe her best game of her time this year so far at Florida State. I know she had three saves on six shots. Um, I think this game could have gone either way, that FSU had chances to win the game in overtime. They had, they, they had some opportunities they missed, and just they need to take it from it that next time when it comes they need to be able to capitalize mm-hmm. and they'll have one game this week and they'll be taking on the Miami Hurricanes at home on Friday at 5 p.m. and they only have this is what was it one of the last four games that they have it's Miami at home UNC on the road at Chapel Hill big Wake big game Wake Forest on the road at Winston-Salem and then they finish off with Duke at home on a Thursday night on Halloween so this is really the this is the home stretch of the season and prepping just for the ACC tournament. It's going to be it's this is a tough this I think this is one of the tougher schedules at the end back half of the season. No doubt. Um I mean the Miami game is going to be one that you need to get. Mm-hmm. Um that's a given you're at home, that's a rivalry game you want that. They're they're I'm not saying anything about Miami and their ability to play in soccer. It's just like it's just like um baseball unless you're just really that uneven, it could go either mm-hmm. way. Whoever shows up shows up. But you're right. That's a gauntlet, man. Mm-hmm. You got to play Wake Forest on the road after you play North Carolina on the road. Yes. Both of those, you're going Tobacco Road in there. Yes. It's not fun. But when you get home, you got to play Duke, one of the top ten play teams in the country, on Halloween night. It's gonna be a little spooky out there. <laughs> but uh, I, I think that's gonna be um, a really big um, showing of what Florida State is as the defending champion. If they get out of here with three of the four wins, um, maybe one loss on the road to North Carolina Wake Forest, you're still gonna look good. If you get four wins, holy crap, you better be watching out. Yeah, really. This. Yeah, I don't think it's going to make or break the season, but it's going to feed into this team's confidence going into tournament play and the NCAA tournament afterwards. So let's get into some predictions just for the UM game this week. It should be should be an easy one for the Seminoles, but they just can't get too comfortable in this yeah, one. It's yeah. just comfortably, or it should just it should be a comfortable win because they should win two nothing in this one. Or sorry, two nil. I've been corrected by a few people that it's two nil, not two zero. You don't say zero in soccer. Well, that's if you're from overseas. Yeah. Or well, from it's, here. well, I'm being corrected by a person from England. That's why. Okay, there you go. If yeah. you you know you, it's very proper, very proper to say like that. <laughs> I know I have a terrible English accent, but two nil is very proper. But no, two zero is how I always grew up saying it. I know uh, Matt yeah. probably said the same yeah. thing. We're, we're Americans. We're <laughs> Americans. It, just let us do our thing. We say soccer. No. Yeah, we say soccer. It's it's just life. But uh, I think uh, it's going to be a game where you're right. They can't get too comfortable. Miami's going to come out strong. They want to get the best of the defensive. You're, you're the defending champion. Mm-hmm. When you're the defending champion, everybody wants to give you the best game. So expect that. I think Florida State gets the win probably 4 nothing. Yeah, I think that FSU FSU needs to get the ball rolling. They need to get some momentum built up for this tournament, for the, for the run. And... This is a great game to start because Miami is not the best side, but they need to not overlook them at all. Uh, I think FSU ends up winning this game 3 1. 3 1. All right, so we got 2 0, 4 0, 2 3 1. 3 1. Uh, me and him are both on that offense running, but I, I think our offense can run, and if Jeffers can get a shutout, woo! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good momentum going into uh, North Carolina, number three in the country. It will be big if they can get this win heading into UNC. So. Let's look into something else now. We got some basketball news. Basketball is coming up right around the corner for Florida State men's and women's, but some huge news coming out on Monday morning, Monday afternoon. Scotty Barnes, five-star recruit, number nine national player, according to 24-7, committed to Florida State over the Hurricanes, Kentucky, and Oregon. Huge pickup for Coach Ham in this 2020 class. 
Where, what does this mean going for, forward for this FSU team? I think this is huge. This is this is maybe Leonard Hamilton's best land of his career here at Florida State, other than Jonathan Isaac, who I know was ranked eight at the time. Mm-hmm. Scotty Barnes is ranked number nine, but it's it's pretty close. And FS, this has just got to build up a lot of excitement for this FSU basketball team. They have a lot of returning pieces this year, and if you could work in these new players, these these rookie uh, these freshmen, and you know how you have the older players to coach them up and teach them how to play, I think this is exciting time for Florida State basketball personally I uh like you said this is the this is one of the biggest gets Leonard Hamilton has already had and I will tell you in 2014 that was a dark period of time for Florida State (laughs) basketball and people were questioning where Hamilton was going forward with his team they didn't know if he had a system they didn't know what he was doing Leonard Hamilton sir you have developed a great system I have I was wrong I, I I apologize for that um I think getting big big gets like this makes my weekend feel better after you lose to Clemson. And I, I really do think that going forward, this is gonna this could create a domino effect for some top players. We're still in contention for players like number three in the country, Jalen Green, a combo guard out of California, and we are in the top four of a Damatha Catholic center, seven footer, Hunter Dickinson. He's considering Michigan, Notre Dame, and Duke. Tough people you're going up against recruiting-wise. But if Scotty Barnes comes to Florida State, mm-hmm. especially in the day and age we live in where boys want to come and they want to play with other good players to see what they can do, this could be a domino effect for Florida State. I'm not sitting here saying we're going to get Jalen Green and Hunter Dickinson, but this is a really big momentum shift for Florida State in basketball and recruiting. And I think it proves that what Leonard Hamilton has done is he's created great relationships and he's proved that you can come to Florida State, you can play in the system, and you can make it to the league. Jonathan Isaac, Dwayne Bacon, Malik Beasley, Terrence Mann, Mafondo Cabangeli in the last four years. It's a big deal. That's why you're getting guys like this. Just a little tidbit. I don't know if you saw on Scotty Barnes' Instagram post where he committed to Florida State. Jalen Green commented on it. You had Jalen Green, Jonathan Isaac all commenting on the photo. I know Jalen said gang gang or something like that. And everyone was, you know, that's got to, that might mean, it might mean nothing. It might mean something. You never want to well. read into it, but these yeah. are these are two guys that played together on the USA twenty nine or USA U nineteen basketball team and won a gold medal together. Um, you develop relationships like that in basketball nowadays. When you have it, doesn't matter how far you are. He 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 grew up in Scotty's from Florida, and um, like I said, Jalen's from California. These are two boys from across the flipping state, and they have this good of a connection. And um, we see a lot of West Coast Knowles making their way over mm-hmm. to Florida State. Yeah. They like what Tallahassee can offer, man. So it's going to be really exciting going into the season how we play. You know. Like you said, Florida State basketball season is right around the corner. First exhibition game is on Tuesday. But it's really going to be cool. If if we go out and play a great year this year, which I expect us to do a lot better than most people do, it could set up for the reason why Scotty's going to be that much into Florida State and why he's coming here, why he wants to sign, and maybe getting a player like Jalen Green or Hunter Dickinson to follow. And the rest of this recruiting class is pretty is pretty good looking when you take a look at it. And granted, the rest of the recruiting class doesn't have the star power when you look at it on any website. Like Malachi Weidman, he's a three-star recruit out of Venice, Venice, Florida. That is, oh, I see three. I'm seeing three-star on 24/7. Okay. You might see yeah. four on a ESPN. different website. But Malachi Weidman's an athlete, and he'll he, come to Florida State and play football first. But mm-hmm. basketball could be a big deal. You're right. He's a huge. I think he would love to play basketball if he was, yeah. if, it was if I was him. That'd be cool if he can go two way, play two ways, and and then the other. They also have uh, Sadar Calhoun. He's a transfer out of uh, Missouri State West Plains JUCO out there. He's a shooting guard, 6'6", 200 pounds. He can really add some need, some much-needed shooting ability to Florida State because 
past few years, they really kind of struggle with shooting the three. It, it's almost a thing where in, in the three game, you have the shooters. It's just getting them confident. Um, Terrence Mann is now, just now in the NBA, trying to develop his three to the full capability. Mm-hmm. He, he did unleash it a little bit in the second half of the season. He knew he had to do something. They left him open too much on the, on the outside of the perimeter. But it's players like Devin Vassell and MJ Walker. MJ's, this is going to be MJ's Baker break year. Oh, yeah. He's a big-time prospect, really good shooter when he came out of high school, and you see it. Mm-hmm. He gets on runs, and he has a sweet shot when he's mm-hmm. consistent. Yeah. He just, if he can build that consistency where it's the whole game and yeah. ho- hopefully most of the season, um, you're right. It's it's a big deal to get shooters like that to come in that you already know are good. P.J. Savoy was another Juco guy that came in. Mm-hmm. Major three-point shooter. Kind of struggled his senior year, but he was he was 3J Savoy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And was it Devin Vassell was actually the only player on FSU last year to have a shoot, uh, three-point percentage over 40% or 40% or better. True freshman. Mm-hmm. Three-star three, three true freshman. I mean, what else can you ask out of that? When you have guys like Zion Williamson, the top players in the country going to Duke, and you're competing with them with a guy coming off the bench like Devin Vassell, with the system we play in where it's going to be 10 or 11 deep, it's a big deal to have a guy like that. It was huge. And he did have a couple games where he stepped up. I can't remember the one that I was at, but he played his butt off. What was it? Go for it. I, I actually don't know that one, but I remember he made the big shot in the ACC championship against Virginia Tech yeah. to tie it. And yeah. then uh, Terrence Mann obviously won that. Yeah. But that was like, this is the, that was a design play off of inbound to Devin Vassell. A it was true like, freshman. Coach was just... like, that's who I want to go to. This is my guy. This is my real dude. So it really shows like, Ham's got a pretty good eye for the talent. You know, he, he, he doesn't care if he's, it doesn't matter about the stars. It matters about the talent and what he can see he can develop. I also want to say that Trent Forrest was added to the uh, watch list for the Bob Cousy Award, mm-hmm. and I think that this could be his breakout year where he he puts in a good resume for a first-round pick in the draft. I just want to ask, who is the one person you would compare Trent Forrest to as a point guard in the NBA right now? Um, I would say Mike Conley. Okay. A good, def- a good defense, a good defensive player who could spread the ball and actually can can drive. Needs to work a little bit on his shooting. I don't think Conley has got the best shot, but I think he's very good. That's fair. I'm not the biggest basketball connoisseur, so I don't have that kind of insight. But yeah, I'm gonna go with Mike Conley. <laughs> I personally, when I watched Trent play last year, especially in the game we played against Purdue, where he had the layup for the win, yeah, three seventy two. When I watched him do that, he moved from right to left and pushed with his left hand. This is a right handed guy. And his ability to move from his right to his left and have be that much more confident off the board. You don't see point guards, a lot of point guards in the in, in college basketball nowadays do it like that. John Wall is somebody I see play exactly like Trent Forrest. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have the deep shot. Not the best at the line, but he'll get the job done when it matters. So when he has a consistent stroke, it's there. If he can develop a shot, it'll yeah. be more than John Wall. But his ability to attack and drive and be elusive around the basket and get it, get good touches off the board, great touch, John Wall-like. I, yeah. I always will say that. I actually have someone. I got a younger Rajon Rondo, maybe. Passes Woo, the ball. Okay. Good job with getting moving good the ball around. Good defense. Good, great good, defense. Yep, exactly. That's so, a big deal. Yeah, that's where I did the majority of my basketball watching when I was younger was just around, like, the Eastern Conference. Well, well, I'm a Heat fan, so playing, so so watching them play the Heat all the time, kind of saw there. And also, I have cousins from New England, so they kind of pounded in. Like you gotta watch. That was his best years. It was his best years, man. So yeah, so I enjoyed watching Rondo, and that's what he's kind of reminded me to uh, every now and then. So, is there anything else we got on? FSU basketball. We're going to do a lot more going down the line. Obviously, next week is going to be a huge basketball episode. We're going to take a look at both men's and women's. And from the looks of what I see from you guys, I think that's all we got. One thing I can say is, if you're Florida State and you're a student, 
listen to this. If you're listening to our podcast, no calls to action. No calls to action. We're V eighty nine. No calls We're to action. V89. I know what you're gonna do. <laughs> Don't even think about it. <laughs> I'm glad you stopped me, man. I, I'm I learning see. the trick of the trade already. I'm sorry. Guys. I saw where you were going, and I was like, oh no, he's gonna do a call to action. Luke Luke would kill me. Luke no, would kill no, me. no. I'm doing. I'm doing Luke's work right now. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all we got. I, great episode, guys. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks yeah. for having me, man. I, I always love talking sports. The uh, V89 is always the best. We got some good people working in here, and uh, it's a good way to spend my Wednesday morning, for real. Yeah, that's all we got. See you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talk and Chop. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at FSVU Sports. Also, subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.